Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. It's exciting to start a new sermon series today. We're starting a sermon series that is entitled The God Who Calls. And through this sermon series, we're going to be looking at different people in the Bible, you guessed it, that God called. And so we'll be looking at different char- a different character each week, uh, taking us through August and uh, looking not only at the impact of that call in the life of that person, but also Who is this God that is calling normal people like you and me to participate in this plan? And so that's what we're going to be doing as we work through the rest of the summer. And um, one of the most famous calls in the Bible is of the prophet Isaiah. And I want to tell you a little bit about his call story. We're actually not going to preach on it, but we're going to think about Isaiah each week as we move through this series. Isaiah ministered during a time that was very turbulent politically. Uh, Isaiah, the king that was on the throne, his name was Uzziah, and Uzziah died. And uh, he had brought stability to to Judah for many years. And now there is a real confusion about what was going to happen next. Who would take over? What would the country be like? What problems would they face? And Isaiah finds himself in the temple praying to the Lord and the Lord reveals himself to him. The Bible says that the Lord appeared to him in this mighty way. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then he begins to describe all of these heavenly beings that are surrounding the throne of God. It's a, it's a magnificent sight. And as a result, Isaiah says, whoa, whoa, is me because I'm an unclean person. And I have unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. And then finally, one of these heavenly beings picks up a coal from the altar and comes over and touches the lips of Isaiah and cleanses him. And then the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And the best part of this passage is Isaiah's response. He seems to raise his hand and he says, oh, here am I. Send me. And so we're going to, each Sunday, we're going to take some time at the end of our service, after we've listened to the different story of calling and work through the scripture, and we're going to, uh, we're going to do a kind of a call and response as we remember these words of Isaiah, as he responds to the call of the Lord and says, here am I, send me. So what we're going to do at the end of each service, and we'll do it today, is we're going to, I, I will read, the pastor will read this first part, and then you will respond as Isaiah responded. And the Lord said, here am I, send me. So let's practice one time. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, 
And who will go for us? All right. Amen. Okay, we're going to do that at the end of the service so that we can put ourselves in the right frame of mind as we leave this place, right? Responding to God's call in our lives. But today we're not going to talk about Isaiah. We're going to talk about Abraham as you as we've read and as we've sung in various hymns today. We're going to be talking about Abraham. This is where really where calling begins in the Bible. And today we're going to talk about three impacts that God had on the life of Abraham. So let's begin by talking about the first of these impacts that God has. And that is that Abraham was activated by God's call. He was activated by God's call. Look at the first verse here of chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God's call moves us from the familiar to the unfamiliar. Abraham was comfortable where he was. He was living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And his It says that he was living in his father's household. And when we think about that, we think, what, was he living with his parents? What, was this a failure to launch? Was he still living at home with mom and dad? And the answer is no. The idea in in the ancient world, he was living in his father's household with his relatives. And in the ancient world, this was really important because this was a network of people that provided safety and security and prosperity to you as a person. This network was very important. The land that Abraham would graze his animals on or that he would cultivate was land that had belonged to his family. They had rights to that land. They had grazing rights established and no one else was competing for the use of that land. And that was very important. If Abraham wanted to buy more sheep and goats, he could go to his relatives and there was capital there so that he could raise the money he needed to do the things that he needed to do. This was important. There were women to marry, women to give his sons to when they would get married and things like that. This was family networks that worked together with one another. It was also a means of protection. If an enemy came into land, some marauding Babylonians or something came into the land, then you had your relatives around you to raise up a a small army to defend what was yours. When God called Abraham to leave his father's household, he left all of that security. And that's what's important as we look at this passage. Abraham had quite a bit of faith. God's calling causes us to step away from what is familiar and what is comfortable. When I was young, way back in the day, I left New Jersey to go to Costa Rica. And you might think, wow, that wasn't a hard decision. (laughs) But in reality, it was. Because I had a network in New Jersey. My family was there. I had people that I had known all my life. I had contacts. I had had connections. 
And all of that was gone. I had a language that I knew. I had pizza places where I could go to eat. All of that was gone when I, when I left and went to Costa Rica. It was a complete change for me. And I remember sitting on the airplane. And, you know, if you've ever flown overseas, you know, you start out very familiar when you leave Tulsa. It all feels very American. And as you get farther away, things start feeling different. You start hearing those announcements on the airplane in, di- in a different language. And that, that happened to me. I'm sitting there alone, listening to, listening to the announcements on the airline in Spanish, thinking, what have I done? What was I thinking? And it was, I was afraid. But you know, God calls us away from what is familiar and to what is unfamiliar sometimes in our lives. And that's a powerful thing. God wants us to rely on him. And there's a a great amount of things that we learn from that. God may be calling you to step out and to do something different. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to end a business. It may be to volunteer with one of the organizations that we've been talking about here in town, like MEND, an opportunity to support women who are considering abortion, that are dealing with an unplanned pregnancy. Incredible opportunities to minister. Maybe it's working with Hope is Alive and helping people who are dealing with addictions. Maybe it's a whole one, one of these other incredible ministries that we've been highlighting for you. It's stepping away from what is familiar and doing something that is completely different and something that in many ways can be scary at first. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. A few months we're going to be, we're going to be hitting you with a bunch of opportunities. It's time to begin to think about what God is calling you to do. All Abraham received from God was his promise. I want you to look at this next portion of the scripture. Uh, As we look at verses 1 through 3, we see all of the I wills in there. I will show you the land. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And ever, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all of the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You hear all the, I will, I will, I will. This is what God is going to do for Abraham. These are the promises that God lays out for him. Many incredible, incredible promises. God promises to bless him and to use him in a way that would have never happened if Abraham would have stayed in the place where he was comfortable. You see, if Abraham would have stayed where he was, God would have never been able to fulfill all of these incredible promises to him. Promises that would be far-reaching, that would last for generations, and as we know, would affect all of us sitting here today. This is where the plan of salvation begins in this promise to Abraham. Had he not stepped out, it would have never happened for us. He would have not been a part of it. God's promises and calling is all about his will, not ours. It's about what he's doing in the world. And he is inviting us to participate in it. 
But you know, when God calls us, it seems to fit perfectly with us. God's calling fits with who we are because God made us to do what he's going to call us to do, right? So he designed us to actually do his calling. And so his calling fits us well. It uses our talents and our abilities better than anything else. How important is it for us to discover what God is calling us to do? Because that's where true fulfillment comes in our lives. There's nothing more exciting or, for, or fulfilling than to move in the calling of God. You know, Abraham could have sat there in Ur of the Chaldees forever and never made a difference in the world. But God chose him and he chose to be activated by God. God wants to activate us. He wants us to realize our potential spiritually. And the only way that we can do that is by responding to God's call. By saying, here am I. Send me. I'm willing to go. I want to do something, Lord, that is greater than myself, that goes beyond my own comfort and my own happiness. I want to do something that is lasting for the kingdom of God. When we respond to this, then God begins to use us. Next, we want to talk about not only being activated by God's call, but participated in God's call. Was Abraham the only person who participated in the call of God? The answer is no. It was actually his whole family. Look at what the scripture says. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. I want us to take a minute and focus first on Sarai, Abram's wife. Because she went along with him. You see, where God called Abram, God also called his wife. She would suffer all of the things that Abram suffered. The instability, the fear, the travel, all of those things would be her burden as well. All of the blessings that God promised to Abram would be Sarai's blessings as well. She participated in his calling completely. We all know the story of Abraham and Sarah. The story hinges not on Abraham, really. It hinges more on his wife, doesn't it? On Sarai, because for this whole thing to work, Sarai had to have a baby, and she was barren. She was unable to have a baby. Sarai was key to what God was doing in the calling of Abraham. Your spouse is key to whatever God is calling you to do. She or he needs to be in agreement with what God is calling you to do. You guys have to figure that out together because it will affect both of you. 
God's ministry is always together. And God will miraculously work through your spouse in order to realize the calling in your life. That's the way it works. My ministry as a missionary and as a pastor would have never been possible without my wife. She has been such a huge part of everything that I've done. Her giftings and her talents are different than mine. And God put us together to work together, to share ministry together, to reach out to people together. And that's been one of the most incredible blessings in my life. I can't tell you how many times I would have really blown it had it not been for my wife who said, don't do that. Don't go there. Or through her gifts and her abilities, change the direction of what we were doing. Now I have the opportunity in her calling as a school teacher to be able to support her in her ministry as well. You see, it's a mutual thing. God calls husbands and wives together to minister before the Lord. It only makes sense. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three different persons are all one, aren't they? To minister as the Godhead and to provide all that we need. Wouldn't it make sense? That he, when he says, I'll take two people and make them one flesh, that he calls them together in order to accomplish his plans and his purposes? This is what God is doing in our lives. He calls us together. And it's not just as spouses. God also calls Lot as a part of this group. Lot is Abraham's nephew. He doesn't have a child at this point. But Lot is functioning in that way. God's blessing extends to Lot as well. Lot will eventually father two nations, Moab and Ammon, who currently make up what is now Jordan, the nation of Jordan. Did you ever notice that the capital of Jordan is called Ammon? You know why? It's named after Lot's son, Ammon. Okay, that's what God is doing. When when God blessed Abraham, that that blessing extended to his family as well. And Lot was also blessed and became a great nation. Your children participate in the blessings and the difficulties of the calling of God in your life. It's important to help them to understand why you are doing what you are doing. It's exciting to see Becky's family here with her. That's her legacy. Those are people that she's influenced with her faith, isn't it? Her children, her grandchildren, all of that, all of us have an influence in the lives of our children. And as God calls us, that calling extends to them as well. It certainly has been true in, 
in my life and that of Leda's as well as our daughter Gabby has traveled with us and been involved in our calling always. This is a picture of the three of us on a mission trip. We took numerous mission trips. We drugged that poor child into every backwater town in Costa Rica from the time she was three months old. She lived in little tiny huts of houses, dealt with mosquitoes and all kinds of bugs. She ate the weirdest stuff in the world. But she learned to love people. She learned to love all kinds of people. And this is what is important that we that we give to our children as God calls us to go and minister. You all have the opportunity. You're part of a church that actually sends our children out in mission through our youth ministry. Take advantage of it. Send your kids out on mission trips. Your grandkids, pay for your great-grandkids. I don't care. Send them out. Let them experience what it means to follow the calling of God and then talk with them about it. Help them to understand what they have experienced so that God builds into their life that sense of calling, that sense of mission. My calling is never just about me. My calling is always about my family. Because it's much broader than that. Okay, so let's move on now to the third impact that this calling had on the life of Abraham. And that is that Abraham was elevated through God's call. He was elevated through God's call. Look at what it says in verses 6 through 8. It says, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. The Lord appeared to Abram and said... To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord. And from there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called on the name of the Lord. And Abram sent out toward the Negev. All right, all these wonderful places. You got to love geography. Abram traveled through the land that God would give him. And everywhere he went, it seems he built an altar. Why? Why is he building altars everywhere he goes? I want you to think about this experience. When Abraham was called by God way back in Ur of the Chaldees, he didn't know this God very well. This was a God who revealed himself to him and called him and told him to do something. I want you to go. And Abraham said, oh, okay, I'll go. And he went and he obeyed. But he didn't really know God well. And the same is true for us. When we respond to God's call, when God says, I am the Lord, I am Jesus, I died for your sins. We said, okay, I'll follow you, Jesus. We don't really know God that well when we respond, right? We haven't walked with him. We don't know him that well. That comes in time. Some of you were... We're born in the church. You've been in the church your whole life. Just like I, I, I accepted Jesus when I was six. I didn't know him that well. Right? We sang a song in vacation Bible school. And they said, you want to follow Jesus? I said, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing completely. Right? But I grew into it. 
You see, we don't know when we start, just as Abraham didn't know God that well when he started this process, but he obeyed God and he began the journey that he was called to. And in the midst of that journey, God revealed several things to him. Several things happened. The first is that he clarified the calling. In the midst of the journey, God clarifies the call. Look at what he says to him in this passage. To your offspring, I will give this land. Now, I want you to focus on the two words in red here. First, this land. Remember the original call in verse 1 was, I'm going to show you a land. In other words, he had no idea what land he was going to. They traveled from southern Mesopotamia to northern Mesopotamia, hung out in a place called Haran for a while. And I would imagine Abraham said, well, this is a pretty nice place. Let's just stay here. This is great. And God said, "Uh, nope. It's not this land. When he finally gets to Canaan, God says, I will give you this land. This is the place. So God, in the course of the journey, clarifies the call. Now he knows what land he's going to get. Okay, this is the place. Great. Now I know that. But he also says, to your offspring. Oh, okay. So you are going to give me a kid, even though my wife is barren. All right, God, you're making it more clear now. I am going to have a family. And he begins to clarify what's happening. God is clarifying the call. For a while, Abraham thinks, well, maybe I'll take my wife's servant girl, Hagar, the Egyptian, as a surrogate mother in order to have to help God out so that I can have a child. It'll be legally my descendant. Ishmael is born, grows up, and God says, nope, it's not Ishmael. I'm going to give you a son by Sarah, your wife, and I'm going to do it miraculously when she's 90 years old. And Abraham says, okay, you're clarifying things now. You see, God clarifies things along the way. As we walk the journey God has laid out for us, he clarifies his call. We have in our mind what we think God is calling us to. Abraham had certain things that he thought, well, is it Haran? Is this the place? Nope, not the place. You're going to a different place. Is Ishmael the guy? Is he the kid? No, not that kid. There's another kid coming and he's the right kid. That's the one. You see, God clarifies things as we move through the journey, step by step. I can't tell you how many times I've been in this process taking steps. And as I go in this direction, I think this is where God's leading me. And God says, nope, you're going over here. And I'm like, but I didn't want to go over here. I wanted to go over there. And God says, tough beans. This is where I'm calling you. And I'm revealing my will to you as you journey along with me. And this is the way the Christian life works. Amen? We've all experienced this, haven't we? We think that God is taking us this way and then God takes us somewhere else. That was God's plan all along. We just had, you know, we were fixated on a different goal. 
But God is the one who is leading us and guiding us through this process. God clarifies his calling. He also reveals his nature in this process. This is why Abraham builds altars as he moves around the land. He is worshiping the God that he is coming to know. The Bible says he called upon the name of the Lord. Well, Abraham's famous for giving God different names. The first name he gives to God is El Shaddai. He says, you are the almighty God. You see, I thought I was following a God, but you, the God. You are, you are the almighty God. You are amazing. You are powerful. And I've realized that. And so I'm going to call you El Shaddai because you are the almighty God. You see, God is revealing in the process who he is. There's another point in the story when Abraham gets, he's down in the Negev and the Bible says he digs a well and he plants a tamarisk tree. He's got his baby Isaac and he's bouncing him on his arthritic knee because he's a hundred years old, right? And, and Abraham finally has time to reflect. Everything's kind of peaceful in the valley. And Abraham says, God, you are the eternal God. You are El Olam, the eternal God. You're not only almighty, but you are eternal. And he begins to understand more completely who God is, you see, because God is revealing himself in the good times. And then the next chapter, things get rough because God says, see that baby you've been bouncing on your knee? Now I want you to take him up on a mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And Abraham goes, oh, okay. And he obeys. And he takes the wood and he goes up on the, on the, on the mountain and he builds an altar and he, and he starts a fire and he takes his child and he lays him on the altar. And at that moment, the Lord intervenes and he says, don't take the child's life. And he provides a ram in the bushes. And Abraham declares, you are the provider, God. You are the one who provided the substitute, the sacrifice. You are Jehovah Jireh. You see, God is revealing himself to Abraham. I want to pause here just for a second and talk a little bit about this situation because so many times we think, well, God is testing Abraham. What a cruel thing to do. What a crazy thing to do. What was God doing? It just seems so against his nature. Why is he testing Abraham like this? This wasn't about Abraham. This is a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of what God is doing in the plan of redemption. He is providing a substitute for us who should die on the altar. But yet he provides the substitutes because God is the provider. Amen? That's correct. That's what God was doing. He's painting a picture of the coming of Jesus Christ, which will happen centuries later. You see, sometimes we find ourselves in difficult situations, in difficult trials, and we begin to cry out to God and we say, God, what are you doing in my life? And maybe it's not about you. Maybe it has 
absolutely nothing to do with you. Yes, you have to be faithful through it. But maybe God is using what is happening in you to speak to someone else. You see, we are God's instruments. And Abraham finally gets to the place where he's willing to be God's instrument no matter what the cost might be. Thank God Abraham obeyed the Lord. We would have never had the picture of substitutionary sacrifice painted in the Bible like it's painted in Genesis chapter 21 had Abraham not obeyed. You see, God sometimes, all the time, God is teaching us and revealing who he is. Sometimes it's in the good times. And he says, I'm El Olam. I'm the eternal God. And in the good times, we have the time to reflect and to see God in a different way. And then sometimes, in the hard times, in the most difficult times, God is teaching us something else about his nature and character. Something we could have never learned in the good times. We can only learn them in the midst of the fire of a trial. But the important thing is, is that through the journey that God has placed us on, through the calling that he has put on our lives, he is revealing who he is. And isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we signed up for? Right? God, I want to know you. Well, this is the way. This is the way it happens. Through the good times and through the hard times, God is revealing himself. Finally, God reveals through, through this journey, he changes the identity of Abram and of Sarai. He changes their identity from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. You see, when God calls us, he changes us. He changes our identity. Two generations later, he's going to take Jacob, the deceiver, and he's going to change him into Israel, the father of a nation. Later, he'll take a guy by the name of Simon, and he'll change him into the rock, Peter. He'll take a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus and change him into Paul, the apostle. You see, God, when he calls us, he changes who we are fundamentally. Not only is he revealing himself, but he's revealing truly who we are and who we have the potential to become. And he changes us. And God's changed you. I'm not the same person I was. You're not the same person you were. God has changed us. He's transformed us through the journey as he's revealed himself to us. God is calling. This is the God who calls and he's calling each one of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have called us to follow you. You've called us because you desire to use us to accomplish your plan. Now that in itself is mind-blowing. But you, in your grace and your mercy, want to accomplish things in this world through imperfect instruments like us.
And through this process, you reveal who you are. And you demonstrate your grace and your love in so many powerful ways. So that we become a living illustration of Jesus Christ, just as Abraham and his son Isaac were a living illustration of Jesus Christ to the world around them. Lord, use us as instruments as you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's exciting to follow God. It ain't easy. Never promised to be easy. But it's exciting. Because we get to know the God of heaven. As he reveals himself to us, he changes us into something better, a better version of us for his glory, for our benefit but ultimately for his glory. He's calling you. I don't know what he's calling you to, but he's calling you because God calls all of us in every stage of our life. Abraham started this when he was 75, so there are no cop-outs. All right? God is calling us to be faithful to his command. Will you go? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was exalted and seated at at the throne and and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? send 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 me, Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We go out. Amen. Amen. Bless you all.